there! Welcome back to Dr. Me First, a podcast all about authentic conversations between female physicians. As always, I'm your super sassy host, Dr. Erin Wiseman. I'm your colleague in medicine and your coach in life. And through this podcast, I love being your virtual life coach. I hope to bring you encouragement, inspiration, hope, and fun to your life and your practice. Through these conversations that I'm having with our female colleagues, I hope that you see that you are no longer alone in medicine. This truly is a community of truth-speaking, life-saving, and fierce females who want to support and lift each other up. Well, today's episode is a very special one. Actually, from a friend online, M. Roth529, She messaged me and asked, do you have any podcast episodes where you specifically address resiliency and burnout and what you did? And you know, as I was answering her question, I thought, oh my God, I don't even have an episode where I talk about my own burnout experience in completion. So today, that's exactly what this is going to be. It's going to be a solo cast, and I am calling it From Burnt Out to Badass, because that's really how I see my journey. So it's going to be in a couple different parts. I'm going to share the good, the bad, the ugly, and hopefully from hearing my story, how I've navigated through all of this, I hope to give you a kick of encouragement for your own journey through it all. So without further ado, here we go with my own solo cast. Okay, where to start? Well, probably from the very beginning would be a really great place. So here's the backstory. July 2014, I had an extra month of residency because I'm a super fertile female and I had two babies while I was in family medicine residency. And luckily, I only had a month to make up. I have mixed feelings about this. I think like most women who have experienced motherhood and childbirth while being a resident, but I was grateful that it was just a little bit of time. And again, we can get into the, um, why I only took four weeks from maternity leave or that my residency program did give me a little extra time with my second baby, but no matter, that's not where we're going. But anyway, okay. So July, I was doing an extra month. It was an, um, it was an inpatient month. And so my classmates were gone. There were six of us in my class. Um, and it was me and another classmate. She had also had a baby in residency and she had a little bit more time to make up, but we were both on extremely busy rotations because being July, the new interns were coming in. And since they had two extra third year residents, um, they decided to use us uh, for inpatient months. So she was gone as well. And I really started to self-isolate. Um, I don't know if it was dealing just with everybody else being done and I internalized my extra time of taking a maternity leave and recovering from two births as failure or if it was just that I was sad to be going through a transition alone. I'm not really sure. I'll have to dig in a little bit more with that um, now that it's like five years ago, but I I did. I started to self-isolate during that month. And the other thing that happened during that month is since I was on inpatient call, I couldn't go home because we actually lived further away outside of the requirement to be at the hospital within a certain length of time or a certain mileage. So what I was doing is when I was on my um, weekends and evening calls, I was actually staying in my city. I was in Evansville, Indiana, 
and um, that gave me a lot of extra time uh, to do a lot of thinking and so again I was kind of by myself my babies and my husband were at home I was doing a really hard rotation month and I found myself starting to do a lot of writing either on my cell phone or on the computer I started um, blogging more I started writing and it was during that time that I just kept telling myself it has to be different when I get done it has to be different when I get done this cannot be my reality forever and when I say this I meant like my work my career being a physician managing a family um, just everything what what life was kind of becoming and I was just kept telling myself just get through this just get through this you've only got you know one extra month there and just get through this and you'll be okay little did I know that it wasn't going to be different. So I transitioned into an outpatient family medicine practice. I didn't do any inpatient work. Um, I had wanted to continue to keep doing OB, but where my practice was and where the local hospital that was delivering um, was at, I just didn't feel comfortable with the amount of drive. I'm pretty much in a, a rural area that it takes about at least 35 to 45 minutes to get to anywhere that has substantial health care. So I had to give up one of my big passions, which was maternity care and newborn care. So that was kind of, you know, at the time when I was negotiating my contract, I thought it would be a good thing. But I think in reality, now looking back on it, I had to mourn that. I had to mourn that I had lost that and that I had given that up. Um, but I knew that at some point, you know, that might come back around. So anyway, I got into practice. Um, I joined an office uh, within the same system that I went to residency with just because I thought I knew the system, I thought I knew the culture, and I was dead wrong. Within a couple weeks or months, I knew there were still problems. I still felt like I was drowning. Maybe not so much with the patient care side. I actually feel really comfortable as far as with that, but it was more the management of everything else, of life of how my medical practice was bleeding over into my personal practice and not having the tools and not being equipped to manage that and so the expectation that I had always perceived was as a family doctor in a small area you just did it you know you just dealt with people luckily I had kind of self-initiated some good boundary setting for instance like if I saw one of my patients at church and they wanted to talk about the rash on their thigh and, and show it to me in the middle of the congregation. You know, I, I luckily had gotten good enough about being like, well, we need to see that in the office where your chart is. You know, right now I'm just functioning as Aaron. Uh, but if you want to see Dr. Wiseman, then um, let's make an appointment and get that taken care of for you. Uh, but that was kind of a burden that I did not realize would happen. I wanted to be everybody's doctor. I wanted to take care of the community. But the more I got into it, the more I realized that I wanted that for a sense of accomplishment and people wanted me to help them and they didn't care what form or fashion that was. And I'm not saying that that people were always malignant or um, always harsh. It just it just didn't fit, though. It just wasn't right. So being the hard head that I am I just kept going but also being the squeaky wheel that I am I did start to speak up so um, I was one that I talked to my office manager pretty early about what was going on I reached out to my best friends from med school 
Um, I even went to my partners at the time. But I don't think I even had the words to explain how I was feeling so that they could understand. I knew how I was feeling. I was feeling like I was drowning. I felt extremely numb. Thoughts that I was broken. Like, what is wrong with you, Erin? Are you just lazy or are you selfish? Or, you know, what, what's wrong with you? Why can you not be happy with your life? Why, why, is, why is everything looking so horrible right now? Those were the thoughts that were running through my head. And I didn't always say them out loud to people. But I tried to convey that something wasn't right. I needed help. But I didn't find it anywhere. I'll be perfectly honest. There was some recommendations like I needed to give, go ahead and like put myself on medicine. Maybe it would be a good idea to talk with a therapist. But I knew that wasn't the case. I knew that this wasn't something that was wrong with me, but I knew that life wasn't right. And, you know, it really got to the point that I, I just didn't know what else to do. I felt like I was at the bottom of this extremely deep and dark hole and that there was, there was no way out, that what was happening was by my own choice and I had picked medicine and so this is what I needed to suffer in. This is the choices that I made when I decided to have children. This was the choice that I made when I signed that contract to go into family medicine and this was it and this was all it was going to be. So getting ready for this podcast, I wanted to make sure I had my dates right. So I went back in my calendar and looked at some things that I had written, looking at the dates on it. So um, July, August 2014, that was me ending residency and starting in my new practice, opening up and talking to people started happening November, December, January time. But really my aha moment, which actually I had a lot of them, but I just picked like my top three to tell you all about happened um, around the winter of 2015. I remember the night that I finally opened up to my husband and finally had the words to say to him after I had read a couple books by some different physicians who had written about um, their breaking points, their burnout stories. what had happened to them in medicine that I finally felt like I had the words to be able to say to him. And I remember sitting down, we had just put the boys to bed and I just told him I was just, I was numb. I I told him that I felt broken and that I didn't have any hope left, that I was really hopeless and that I had looked at our two boys who at the time would have been just turned one and just turned four And I said, the only reason that I'm going to keep going is for them. I don't want them to grow up without a mother. And I remember him asking me, like, what do you mean by that? And I said, I just want to run away from it all. I just want to hide. I don't, I don't want this anymore, but I don't know how to escape either. And he was really worried about me at the time. Um, He knew that I had gotten sad postpartum and he, we had talked about like some postpartum depression, but um, kind of related it back to just being a resident and being tired and that sort of thing. So never really formally like got clinically diagnosed with postpartum depression. 
But now looking back on it, I really think it was probably the first flares of burnout. And then now having transitioned to a new practice, it was really, really, really bad. I mean, for instance, some aha moments, like I said, that I wanted to share was sitting. So driving to work was about a 15 minute drive. I remember driving and giving myself a pep talk, like it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this day. You've already looked at your schedule. It's not going to be that bad. I remember pulling into my parking spot, it was generally the same one, next to this white fence and I would sit in the driver's seat and look at that white fence and just tell myself, just get out of the car. Just open the door, take some deep breaths and just get out of the car. I remember getting to my desk um, and you know, keeping it all together, getting through my paperwork, going through results, everything like that that we do in the mornings and just telling myself, just get out of the seat and go into that exam room. People need you, you need to help them. You know, but the worst thing was, it wasn't always positive thoughts that I was telling myself. I was really, really harsh with myself. I think that comes back from my like athletic nature where, you know, I had some coaches who were very positive, but I had a lot of coaches who coached on negative ways, you know, and it was like, come on, Aaron, you know, work harder, (laughs) spike harder, get your serve over, you know, focus more on the negative. So that was my self-talk was like, what do you mean, Aaron? What do you mean you don't feel like you can get up and just do this? Are you lazy or are you just selfish? And I remember those thoughts filtering through my head. And now I look out and I think, oh my gosh, I was so harsh with myself. That was just making it worse. I was just beating myself up in the midst of feeling so horrible. Why did I do that? But I think it was because I didn't know what else to do at that point. I felt like I had no other options. I I was stuck in a contract. We had moved back to the area where my husband's from and bought a home. And it wasn't like we really wanted to move. Like we wanted to be in this area. That's why we chose this. But now if I leave this medical practice, I'm totally blacked out. So it was hard. It was a lot of hard. But that was also the moments when I was like, Erin, If you are having to tell yourself to get dressed in the morning, to shower, to go to work, this is not the life you want. This is not what you work so hard for. This is not what you went in debt for. And I remember having the conversation with myself all the time to be like, well, where is it? What's going? And so in my desperation, I did what we tell our patients not to do. And I got online. Man, I was like all over LinkedIn. I was like Googling how to switch from being a doctor to a businesswoman. I was like Googling how to quit medicine, all of that because I was really desperate. And so again, on my timeline, this would have been about um, May of 2015. And I finally stumbled across this website called Entrepreneurial MD with Philippa Keneally, MD. And she was a family physician that had made some transitions. She went to administration and then she got into life coaching and she tells all about this on her website. And I was like, this, this is what I need. So I ended up buying her online program um, called the Odyssey. And I started working through that because I was like, okay, like she's done it. So I can do this. Like I need to transition into something else. And I started doing that program, like I said, in May. I went back and even found my receipts from when I had bought this from her. And a couple months into it, I'm like, no, I really need to talk to this woman. Like, she can relate to me. She can know what's going on with me. So, again, pulling up the dates, July of 2015 was our first 
discovery call. That's what you call it in coaching whenever you're feeling out a coach to see if you want to work with them, a life coach. And it was great. I remember talking to her just in that 30 minute time frame. I, I can still remember it. I was standing on our little small front porch because the kids were inside watching TV and I wanted to be able to focus on our conversation. And I just started bawling because I felt like nobody else understood and I felt like I didn't have any other options at that point and she was so comforting and so helpful and it was a big investment to for her to be my life coach I mean I don't think I've ever spent thousands of dollars on myself but I made the commitment and I remember her talking about the expenses and and I was like I don't care whatever it takes to make make this better I will invest in it and so I started coaching with her and here's where it gets really fun so even after our first coaching session I felt like something in me was filled with hope like it was coming back I realized that I did have control of my life I realized that this was not going to be my reality forever and I realized that the journey wasn't a total failure that maybe I just went off course a little bit or maybe I needed to go in a different direction so that I could see what my true calling was in life. And so I think after our second coaching session in August was when I decided I was going to start my own business and it was going to be all about encouragement and motivation for other physicians because I didn't want anyone to ever feel like I had before. So I started Truth Prescriptions August 2nd, 2015. Then moving along the different transitions that I made because of coaching, because she helped me find my own answers. In October of 2015, I went from a full 0.1 FTE down to, uh, I think, a 0.6 or 0.7 FTE, a part-time. So I worked Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and then I had Tuesday, Thursdays to do um, everything else because you know you need the, the time. Full-time in doctor speak is like two times in the regular world. And through that going part-time, what that felt like to me, those, so those days in clinic were like diving down into the deep end of the swimming pool, like holding your breath, going down there, getting your work done. And then those Tuesdays and Thursdays was like coming up for a breath, breath of fresh air where I could float on the surface, where I could bake in the sun, where I could swim. It just felt so freeing. And I realized now I needed those Tuesdays and Thursdays to help me recover from residency, from the burnout I experienced, so that then I could gain the strength to make my next transition. So my next transition happened, um, it was the spring of 2017. I talked to my husband and I was like, okay, we're coming up on a contract renewal. I was on a three-year contract at that point. And I was like, I'm, I'm gonna leave here, right? And he was so funny saying, well, what do you think? You know, he didn't want to force me into anything, but now talking about it, he knew what I needed to do. And so he was going to support me no matter what. And I turned in my resignation. Um, and so now I know how to talk other people through transitioning away from an office because I did so many things wrong and so many things were unexpected that now it was a painful experience but now I hope to help other physicians 
as they're trying to make their own life better, to understand how we can transition well as physicians. Because again, that's another skill that is not taught to us. So I transitioned away. I left August 2017. And through that, like I mentioned, my non-compete, and we won't go into that today, but that itself is its own journey. But it was okay. I just realized that the non-compete literally was just a small section of things that I couldn't do. Like in the spectrum of light, which is billions of different colors, it just blocked out like the greens. And so I ended up leaving family medicine for a 12-month period. I switched over to emergency medicine. And the only reason that I found that position, honestly, was that I stopped hiding. I reached out to colleagues. I was applying for different jobs. And I was just honest. And I told people, hey, I'm looking to do something different for a little while. Do you know anyone? Do you have any positions that maybe I would be good for? But up until that point, I was really scared. I was extremely scared to tell people that I was leaving, that I wanted to seek something else, that even as I was talking to jobs, mentioning that I had a non-compete was somewhat scary because I felt like it was so limiting to me and such a shackle. But luckily, like I said, I got over that through coaching once again. Thank you, Jesus. And I found the position um, with a local physician-owned emergency medicine group that contracted with a local hospital. And I'm just so thankful for them. I was actually able to work less and make more money than I was as a family medicine physician. And so that was a really awesome experience and a huge confident booster to show me that just because your transition doesn't mean my family's going to suffer for this. Just because I've decided to change gears doesn't mean my life is totally going to go down the toilet. And so with that then, in November of 2018, so just several months ago, I actually went full-time entrepreneur. I told the emergency medicine group that I was super thankful for them hiring me, but it wasn't going to be my forever thing, but I really grew as a clinician and I was ready to take my next steps forward. So I jumped into life coaching full-time. At that point, I had been coaching. I had got coaching training the end of 2015 and had started coaching other people in 2016. So I felt pretty confident that I had been doing it for two and a half years that it would come around. But the other thing that was amazing once I went into full-time entrepreneurship is I started to realize that I'm multifaceted. Like it doesn't have to be an either or. It can be an all or it can be nothing. And so now I'm doing you know, my own business. I'm doing this podcast, which I absolutely love. I'm able to speak more than I've ever been able to. But guess what? I'm still clinical. I'm doing telemedicine, which has been a wonderful experience. I have a small position that I go and do locally a couple times a week where I get to practice as a clinician. And guys, life is so much different than 2014. Here in 2019, I can honestly say I am now living the life that I dreamed about. That when I talked to Philippa for the first time um, in the summer of 2015, I actually wrote down, she had me write down a goals worksheet. I got that out and looked at it. And I'll be damned, I have completed five of those seven goals that I gave her. Some of them even before the time that I said that I wanted it to get done. 
And so I just want to encourage you with this kick of encouragement to say, if I can do it, you can do it. I promise you. And coaching has been the vehicle that saved me. It has helped me get so far. And that is my why that I want to help other physicians in the same way. It's been so powerful in my own life, in my own practice, in my marriage, with my kids and family, that I know this works. Now, I understand when I talk to people, they don't always know or they don't understand how coaching works. And here's the thing, it's different for every single person. There isn't a proven formula. And if you're talking to a coach and they're like, okay, you gotta do X, Y, Z to get the result B, then I don't think they're coaching right because there isn't any guarantees. And the other thing I will tell you too is I am not a patient person. I wanted to have this change in life in like 2016 or 17. And now it's 2019 and I'm part of the way there. So even if you start to make changes, you just have to remember that the time component is a totally independent component. And just because you're not where you want to be, it still doesn't mean that you're failing. You're still making steps forward. You're still moving in that direction. So again, I hope my story has been super helpful to you. I hope this solo cast shows you how I went from totally and utterly burned out to now living an absolutely badass life. It's been amazing. I would love to share more with you if you enjoyed this solo cast. Please email me or send me a message on Instagram to let me know. I'd be more than happy to share more details of my life if something's intriguing to you because I know, like I said, if I can do it, you absolutely can do it and I want to be there to help you. So the first step that I can do to help you is get on a call with me. Sign up for one of those colleague to colleague calls that I talk all the time about in the podcast. It's just you and me getting on the phone taking on the first biggest problem that you have and coaching through it. It's an absolutely free call. There's no selling. There's no sleaze. This is a great opportunity for you to try out coaching and try me out as your coach. It's like the first hammer when you're trying to like break through a huge rock And sometimes we get huge cracks and pieces to fall off. And some people, they try it and they're like, nope, it's not for me. But you won't know until you try. So get signed up for that colleague to colleague call. Just if anything, just to talk to me, to ask questions, to tell me about yourself. Because I would love to hear your story too. So it's the first and best way. If you're like, Aaron, no, I really don't want to get on a call, then check out the website. I have got plenty of free written materials. The one that I'm most proud about is Dr. Me First Workbook. It's a workbook I created that I wish that I had had in 2014 to help me work through all of my internal stuff that was going on, to help give me the words to know what I wanted to say, and to help me form what took me months and almost years to figure out. So check that out. You can get the first couple chapters for free. So like I end all podcast episodes, and I really do truly mean it, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye.